0: Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 5th. It is 5 minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Are you ready to talk about Liz Cheney? Oh my gosh, Casey, yeah, do she, we have to do this? We have to. She's uh, got a new book out, geez. so of course she's making her rounds on all of the talk shows. Uh, and she was on NBC and she was saying all sorts of stuff that like uh Donald Trump wants to stay in power forever and he will be a dictator for the American people.
1: Isn't it wild? how totally obsessed she is with Donald Donald Trump. I mean, isn't that bizarre about how, I mean, she she is, I will not be ignored dance. she is uh, boiling rabbit on the stove type of obsessed with this guy and it really, you know, I heard Tony use this description yesterday and it really is true. She is a she is a broken woman. I think that is absolutely the best description you could possibly use. And it's 100% accurate. She is a broken woman.
0: Okay. So she's uh, maybe broken, but she's considering running for president next year as a third party conservative candidate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's actually the. Kind it's a, she says it's a bipartisan ticket that would include both Republican and Democrats.
1: Here's actually kind of the wacky thing about. Um, Liz Cheney is if you could sort through her obsession with Trump which I get it is very very hard to do but if you could sort through her actual obsession with Donald Trump she actually has a pretty conservative voting record like her actual record her actual votes cast as a congress member of congress it's not all that egregious. Now, there's some things in there that are ridiculous, probably, but it, she's not some super lib, but she is just totally obsessed
0: with Donald Trump. So her memoir is called Oath and Honor, a memoir and a warning. But we're pointing out here, she just wrote a book, she's making the rounds on all the talk shows. Does she really want for president want to run for president? Does she really want to attack Donald Trump? or does she really just want to sell some books?
1: Well, so you're hitting the other part of this. And so much uh, of Trump, And the people who go at Trump is because they can get something out of it. I mean, the people who turn on him know that they're going to get either, you know, it's a book deal Mm -hmm. or it's, um, you know, it's it's a a spot on a television station Mm -hmm. or whatever. People know they're going to get something out of going after Donald Trump. It's why Chris Christie is running for president on the platform of going after donald trump because he knows whether it's you know a book deal or whatever it, there's going to be a little pot of gold at the end of the
0: rainbow okay well here she is talking to samantha guthrie liz cheney uh, on the today
2: show darkest terms we will be voting on whether to preserve our republic in the next election you think this is a vote about whether or not We still have democracy in this country. It certainly is. You know, and and Donald Trump has told us exactly what he will do. He will not abide by the rulings of the courts. Uh, He uh, will certainly appoint people to office whether or not they can be confirmed by the Senate. Um, He uh, has talked about using the military uh, in terms that uh, really are fundamentally un-American, including here in the United States. So it's a very dangerous moment. And it's a moment for people to understand that 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 cannot be the path that we go down as a country. Just yesterday. In an interview, you, you said fundamentally there's a choice to be made. You can't be both for Donald Trump and for the Constitution. You have to choose. Yeah. A vote for Donald Trump is unconstitutional, anti American. Well, he won't, he won't support and uphold the Constitution. We've already seen what happened. Uh, he is the only president in American history who attempted to overturn an election, who attempted to seize power, to stay in power after he had lost. Um, and the reason that it, we didn't have a much more serious crisis was because there were people around him who stopped him, because there were people around the country, state officials, for example, who stopped him, who did not yield to the pressure that he put on them to change votes from Biden to Trump. Um, we won't have that safeguard. Again, and and he's so dangerous. Uh, if you have a president who is unwilling to abide by the rulings of the courts, who's unwilling to uphold the Constitution, mm-hmm. then there are no guardrails who can stop him.
1: All right, so let's let's talk about this, Casey, because what she's saying is wholly absurd. And the fact that was that Savannah Guthrie that yep. was interviewing her mm-hmm. just nods like some sort of uh, puppet on a string or something. It, it tells you everything you need to know about about her. Okay, so. Trump is or is not still occupying the White House, Casey. Not. Trump did or did not leave the day he was supposed to leave. Yeah, he did. Trump (laughs) physically enacted violence on anyone to attempt to get his way. No. No, he didn't. Uh, What did happen is Donald Trump objected to the election, results, the same way Hillary Clinton did, Mm -hmm. the same way Al Gore did in 2000. Donald Trump attempted to use the legal system exactly as Al Gore did in 2000 because he had objections to the results of the election. And as with Al Gore, the courts did not rule in his favor. Now, so much of what and and this never gets talked about. Well, why didn't blah blah blah? If, if the vote fraud was so obvious, so many of the uh, things that were rejected against Donald Trump wasn't the merit of the case. Now there were some that were rejected on the merit, but so many of the rejections against Trump's um, objections to the legal system, or the 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 results of the elections to the legal system, were about standing. They would, the courts would say so-and-so didn't have standing to take the case, which is why Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas both said, look, if we're not weighing in on – urge the court to weigh in, saying if we're not weighing in on the result of a presidential election, w- what what are we doing here? What What is our job? Let's not act like this was some fringe thing. Now, uh, was Trump ultimately successful in any of those? No, but we act like th- that he ordered armed tanks – to surround the White House and open fire on anyone who attempted to come in to the White House after the election. He left the day he was supposed to leave. He used the legal system as both, uh, you know, as other Democrats have done, including Al Gore. Nothing untoward happened here that hasn't previously happened. Donald Trump is not responsible for January 6th. Donald Trump was not at the front of the nation's capital yelling charge with the bayonet. Donald Trump held a rally, which he is allowed to do. Donald Trump told everybody to go home, in fact, and he used legal mechanisms available to him to try to change opinions or have opinions change or have results change. No honest broker is going to look at Pennsylvania and what happened there where the court system in Pennsylvania usurped the legislature, which has never happened before, and go, oh yeah, that was all above board. That's totally normal that the Secretary of State and Governor come out and rule by fiat and totally usurp the legislature and go, yeah, that's normal. That that should stand. That doesn't make you a tyrant. It doesn't make you a dictator. It doesn't make you a fear monger. It makes you a guy going that's crap and those votes shouldn't have counted.
0: Well, Liz Cheney just wants you to know how very disappointed in you she is it's like she likes to you know like a, a teacher or a mother or somebody i'm disappointed well in you. but
1: why does she do that casey she because does. she
0: lost her own election exactly. and she's so bitter about it she can't move on
1: exactly she the cheneys and the bushes are very similar in the sense they believe they're entitled to positions of power They believe it is birthright Mm -hmm. that they are given the ability to lord over other people. And Donald Trump, with both the Bushes and the Cheneys, totally not only disrupted the apple cart, he took a giant sledgehammer and caved in the apple cart. And so, yeah, she hates him. She hates him not because of what he did to the country. She hates him because of what he did to her and her family and the ending the Trump's ability to end the dynasties.
0: Uh, that he did on multiple fronts. I have no idea how she thinks she would win a presidential election, because the Trumpers are going to stay away from her. And is she a Republican or a Democrat?
1: But you're, you're, Casey. You're an honest person, and so you approach things as an intellectually from an intellectually honest perspective. She's not doing that. She's not doing this to win. She doesn't believe she could win. She's, she's doing
0: it like Chris Christie, ab- absolutely, yeah.
1: and she will. And it's the same reason she will get all sorts of fawning from the national media. She will get all sorts of national attention. Mm-hmm. She will uh, probably have some sort of cushy landing spot for her when she's done. But isn't it amazing that the media, and this tells you all need you need to know about the national media, have warmed up to Liz Cheney, who fifteen years ago. Bush, Rove, war for oil. Bush is a Nazi. Cheney's a Nazi. And now who's their best friend? Mm -hmm, Liz Cheney. Because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And there's no morals and there's no scruples or there's no, you know, there's no actual honesty coming out of these people. She can help them get Trump. And so screw all those things we said about her before. And now we love Liz Cheney.
0: Well, the fawning continues. Here she is talking about a reelection of Donald Trump. And she says that would lead to
2: dictatorship. I think it's it's a very very real threat and concern, and and I don't say any of that lightly. And frankly, um, it's painful for me as someone who you know has spent her whole life in uh, Republican politics, who grew up as a Republican, to watch what's happening to my party, uh, and and to watch the extent to which Donald Trump himself um, has uh, you know basically determined that that uh, the only thing that matters is uh, him, his power, his success, and. Um, that is not somebody you can entrust with the power of the presidency. It seems crazy to ask this and even crazier to fathom it. But do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year, that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That think, he would never leave office? There's no question. There's do you think no he would question. try to stay in power forever? I, absolutely. I mean, he's already done it once. And in fact, if you look at what he did in the run up to January 6th in terms of his pressure on the vice president not to count legitimate electoral votes, his pressure on the Department of justice on state officials and then refusing to send help when the Capitol was under attack. Um, He's already attempted to seize power.
1: I'm I'm doing the thing (laughs) where I'm going to start getting mad, twitching. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not good for anyone. First of all, Donald Trump is not in charge of the Capitol police. You know who was in charge of the Capitol Police? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. She knows that. She being Liz Cheney, Mm -hmm. she was a member of Congress. She knows who's in charge of the Capitol Police. So so now she's lobbying for Donald Trump to just make it up as he he goes along. And her dad literally became vice president when someone used every legal mechanism available to them, Al Gore, to try to stop her dad from becoming vice president. The same thing Trump did, but not a single solitary word about that. All right, Casey, we got to take a break.
0: Mm -hmm. By the way, Donald Trump did respond. He called her crazy Liz Cheney. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Uh, Last last break Mm -hmm. in the lead up to our top of the hour segment, Mm -hmm. we got in a rather animated discussion about a um, social etiquette conundrum. Yeah. And uh I'd like to do a little deep dive and see where our audience is on this when we come back.
0: Okay. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. <laughs> 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
1: Alright, so we had a rather spirited debate at the top of the hour break, and I want our audience to weigh in on this. So there's a there's a meme out. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. A meme? It's Charlie, the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You've probably seen it. And it's him with his thumb up, and he's kind of got this wide-eyed look on his face, no no smile or anything, and it says, hey, person, I met at a concert for 30 seconds in 2009. Let's remain lifelong friends on Facebook. <laughs> and so we were chuckling about how, like, for someone my age, there yeah. are so many people who you did meet at parties or concerts or at bars, and, you know, you became somehow became friends with this person. Yep and really then didn't have a whole lot of interaction with them for the rest of your um existence. Yeah. And you know me Casey, I've met many many interesting people over the years. I've been able to talk my way into many many interesting conversations sure. and and just just learn about others and 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 I think we have told this story before that I met someone at the party years ago yeah. and It turned out that this person, they did not reveal this, but through just astounding detective work on my part, (laughs) it turned out this, this person was a member of the adult entertainment, Uh had been a member of the adult entertainment industry. Sure. And, and so we then somehow got into a discussion off of this about this person has children. They're now married. At what point. Yeah. When this person was dating the person that they would someday take for their husband, should they have been required to disclose, hey... I did this. I did Mm -hmm. the work.
0: Yeah. And I said, I think you got to go there after two, three dates.
1: And I... Kev, what is your theory on this?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think a couple dates and you Mm -hmm. should probably disclose that information.
1: So I think you're being ridiculously invasive of this person because they don't even you don't even know after two dates. If you (laughs) like someone, why should you have to disclose some deeply personal information? You
0: don't know after two dates. Uh, I mean, you're you're.
1: I was going to say you're feeling your way through it. That's probably the wrong phrase to have used with this person. I think after
0: one date, you should have an idea if you're interested in going further in the relationship. Here's the problem. And that's what date two and three is for. Here's the
1: problem with your theory on this, though, because I asked you directly. I said, let's say a person had done time in prison. I'm not talking (laughs) like you got a DUI. I'm saying you had and I'm not talking about some sort of violent offense, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying theft or something of that nature. I said, at what point? Would you have to reveal that to the person? Yeah. And you did not say on date two or three. So you're putting, if I did work in the adult entertainment industry, that's a bigger priority or red flag to somebody rather than I went to prison.
0: Um... (laughs)
1: Yeah, see, you talked yourself into a corner.
0: Uh, well, I think either way, they both need to come out within the 90, 120 day mark, because at that point.
1: 90 or 120 days is way different than a second or third date. <laughs> well,
0: it really depends on how frequently you're going to be dating the person. <laughs> I guess. But at 90, 120 days, you're going to have the, you know. What, what do I mean to you? What are we? Where's this going? You're going to have the talk, uh-huh. right?
1: Do, is that how it still works, Kev? Do you still ask somebody, where is this going? Or do you just... are, no, you, they are you ask him. Are you like Del Griffith? You've got to just go with the flow. Yeah, just <laughs> like, kind of go with the flow until you
3: uh, talk about
0: it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so I, I, I don't think unless you're prepared to engage in interpersonal relations with someone that you should have to reveal something that Personal about yourself because this person had clearly moved on from that. Her job sure. was a relatively recluse position where mm-hmm. she was not engaging with other people. She often didn't have to see other people. She was not in the industry anymore. Right. I don't think she was necessarily proud of the work that she had done in the industry, <laughs> although Kevin was very proud of the work that she had done because uh-huh. Kev did his own research on this. And so, <laughs> and so as such, I don't think you have to reveal something about yourself until you're... Now, if you were prepared to engage in that next step, absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think two dates in, you got to reveal something that deeply personal about yourself... Including, like, I wouldn't think you'd have to reveal I was once arrested and spent
0: time in prison. Two, three dates, you don't think that's about the no, time? I don't, I don't what do so. you think it is? You're putting this all on me like I'm the crazy because one. Because you were misassertive
1: about it. You know me, I'm I'm a free thinker. I'm a lover, not a fighter, Casey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just was amazed at don't how Don't try and talk rapidly... your way out of
0: this. What's the time frame?
1: Well, uh, my standard is if you are prepared to engage in interpersonal relations uh-huh. with somebody, then you should have to reveal that because they should... They should probably be able to know. You need to be aware
0: of that information.
1: Kurt Darling looks just totally embarrassed that he has to share a business with us. I actually don't know what you guys are talking oh, about. Oh, very I just good. Well, you're, here, so. That's just your normal look when you come in to do the news and be close I us. mean, Very yeah. good. You're, you're, you're a confusing person. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think I think it is up to whenever you're prepared to engage in interpersonal relations, whether it is prison mm-hmm. or you're in the adult film industry. Or anything,
0: I like how you're associating the two. Well, of anything of that
1: magnitude, then that is when you should have to reveal it. Otherwise, your personal life is your personal life uh-huh. and you can keep that to yourself.
0: Okay. Well, you've got it settled. So then. I would be
1: curious to get other people's opinions yeah. on whether it is prison or the adult <laughs> entertainment industry. At what
0: point in a relationship do you have to share that with the do Potential. You,
1: do you have a lot of people on your I don't by the way, Mel McMahon wants to know if you even have a Facebook account. She wants to badger you about something. So uh, I don't even know if you have a Facebook account. I do. Isn't that pathetic? I've worked with you for two years and I don't know if you have a Facebook account. That's <laughs> terrible. I've never even asked you that. And we're
0: well beyond our second or third date, uh, aren't we? <laughs> do, do you
1: have people on your account who you have no idea who they are and you're like, when did I meet this person?
0: Yeah, well, I've got one Facebook account that's a public profile. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Oh, that doesn't count. The Kev,
0: do you have any yeah. of those people? Yeah, I have a lot of those people because when I first got Facebook. I believe I was in high school. I just started adding people that I didn't even know, and I would just friends yeah, of was, friends. It was like yeah, like people that went to my school that I never suggestions. Even had yeah, wait,
1: you were just randos. You were like, I want to know more about that person.
0: Yeah, I was just sending requests. Wow. They probably thought I was a creep. That's Mm -hmm. so sad. It's all about the the friend count. That's
1: (laughs) what it was back then.
0: uh Kurt is right. The friend count. That that Uh was was big. So you
1: did it too? I did do it, yes. Oh my god. I mean, we were all young and dumb at one point. I'm (laughs) so mortified for all of you people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we've got Kurt Darling next with the news on 93 WIBC.
1: It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN.
0: 317-684-8444-1033 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And it is time to hear from you with your voicemails, questions, comments, smart remarks. All right, we're going to start off, Rob, with a question. Oh, Somebody was uh, curious about uh, student loan transfer. Oh, I would say debt forgiveness, but we all know that you can't forgive debt. That's you correct. can only transfer it from one person to the other. Correct. But here's their question.
3: Hey, Rob, just in case, just a uh, thought. I know that Biden's forgiven all these uh, student loans, but you think they're going to be issuing, uh, you have to pay taxes on that now from the IRS? Just your thoughts.
1: Bye. Well, you should, because they're giving you money. Mm-hmm. You got you bought something, which is what you did. You bought or, a college education or access to a college education. And then you were then told you didn't have to pay for the thing that you bought. You were still given the thing, so it, to me, is no different than being on The Price is Right. If someone gave you a free trip to Hawaii from The Price is Right, there's a value on that, and you have to pay a car or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, if someone gave you free money, which is what they're doing here, why wouldn't you have to pay taxes on that?
0: You win the prize today, Rob Kendall. I did a little research and debt forgiveness usually must be reported on an IRS form 1099C, which details the amount of the canceled debt. Now, keep in mind, legislation has provided for temporary tax relief only until 2025. After that, student loan forgiveness will be considered taxable unless Congress takes new action. What
1: do you want to bet they totally forgive that side of it too what yeah want, probably what, you, what you, or the next president or biden or whatever will just declare with the stroke of the pen right oh you don't have to pay taxes well it is this.
0: happening in 2025 so i guess maybe it will uh, depend on who is in office at uh, that point
1: i think what you see and, and again we got into this a little bit yesterday is the gutting of any sort of accountability or responsibility in our society because our politicians recognized that the easiest pathway to electoral success is to make people believe you can just give things away.
0: All right. We've got another phone call. Oh, and this one is about Ron DeSantis. We're lamenting many times. Why has he not caught on nationally stronger? Yeah, And um, somebody wanted to comment about that.
3: DeSantis' biggest problem is you're the only people talking about what Trump is not doing. Uh, nobody else is. I mean, who are they going to hear it from? The networks aren't going to say it. So it's just a thought. Have a great day. Bye.
0: It's interesting, uh, the mainstream media attacking Trump in a different way. Like you've got Liz Cheney coming out saying that he's a dictator. Sure. And he'll never give up power. But she's not saying what he did when he was in office during COVID, for example. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Th- at this point, though, OK, the general election is different because you, one, don't know who Trump will run against. It could be Biden. It could be Gavin Newsom. It could be Michelle Obama. Will there be a third person like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who's going to shake it up, even if it is Biden? So that's a little different. But inside of the this Republican primary, what what could change your mind at this point? Mm-hmm. I, I get that Iowa is a month away or whatever yeah a month away I don't know anyway less than a month whatever it is it's we're closing in on Iowa but what what could you possibly not know at this point where you're like eh I don't know am I for Trump am I not for Trump I just don't I think it's it's just wasted oxygen from people like Liz Cheney at this point or Chris Christie or any of these other people if you have not close the deal on making people dislike Trump at this point. You claiming, oh, he's never going to leave office. Mm-hmm. That is not going to That's move not the gonna do one it. bit.
0: Well, and <laughs> conversely, it might make a lot of people very happy, actually.
1: Well, sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people <laughs> who would love for Trump not to leave. Yeah, I never even thought about that. She may be doing more harm to her cause than good.
0: Uh, somebody else called and wanted to agree with what your mother-in-law had said, oh. that uh, many people voting for Trump is a a vengeance vote.
1: Warren Casey, good morning, Rob. I'm actually listening to you on the radio instead of heart this morning, riding around in my semi. Um, Rob, your mother-in-law is a most perceptive and intelligent woman. I uh, She pretty much encapsulated the way I feel about things. Um, Trump is still a finger in the eye of the establishment. And I think they need about a whole fistful of them in their eyes. So
3: that's where we're at. Good luck.
1: (laughs) Good luck. Um, And this guy, I think, articulates what we were talking about a couple days ago with the conversation I had with my mother-in-law, where she basically said, Trump has to win, because if Trump doesn't win, then they get away with – it's not even about Trump. It's about letting them, the establishment, the cabal, the whatever you want to call it, get away with – the the all of the thing I mean they 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 attempt attempted or and did largely successfully negate the American people's vote in twenty sixteen. That was what the four years of the Trump presidency was about was trying to negate the vote of the people who supported Donald Trump. And they went way before the stuff they're doing now with the trials and everything else. I mean there was active from the day in fact even before Trump was elected during the Trump campaign there was active and and coordinated efforts to bend the rules, to play dirty, to try to stop him. And so there's a lot of people who feel like this guy does, that this vote is not even about Donald Trump. It's about not letting them get away with that. And we got to put Trump back in there to prove a point that you can't get away with it.
0: OK, so there was a new poll that came out and it was... Um Saying that Nikki Haley is doing better, but ahead of the debate, I wanted to get to this earlier, and it's Ron DeSantis because we're talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, and so right now it's you almost got a, the two, who, who we're vying. Who who's second place? Sure. Who's the first loser? Right. (laughs) If you're not first, you're last. Who's going to be the first place loser? Uh, Ron DeSantis was on Newsmax, and he was asserting that Nikki Haley is not a conservative. She's produced no major accomplishments, and this includes when she was governor of South Carolina
4: are only going to vote for somebody who's going to be a fighter, who represents their conservative principles, uh, and that actually is going to be able to win on all these issues. And I'm the only guy running that can say that. I think what Haley has done is she's gotten a lot of support from corporate media, and she's gotten a lot of support now from, from Wall Street interests. But that typically is not how it resonates in Iowa. And what I would just say is she clearly um, is not a conservative. I think if you look at her record as South Carolina governor, people can't even identify by any major achievements that she had. She actually killed a bill to protect girls and women in bathrooms and locker rooms, which we know has been a big issue. Uh, I signed similar. I signed legislation protecting girls um, and women athletes. She actually attacked me for standing up against Disney when we had the issue with the sexualization of the elementary school curriculum. I'm a father of a first grader, a, a kindergartner and a preschooler. I want the kids learning the basics. You should not be telling a kindergarten. that they can change their gender, yet she sided with Disney on that. Now she's bragging that she's been meeting with people like the head of BlackRock, which is the ESG Mecca, as well as the head of JP Morgan, who was a big Hillary Clinton donor. And there's actually an ad being run here in Iowa that I saw that shows Nikki talking about in her own words how her inspiration to get into politics was not Ronald Reagan, not Margaret Thatcher but Hillary Rodham Clinton.
0: Okay, so Nikki Haley right now leading Joe Biden in a hypothetical head-to-head race, but she still trails Donald Trump. And this is according to a Messenger Harris poll that was just put out today. And she would beat Biden by four points if you were to hold that election today.
1: But I will ask this question, what do the American people actually win if Nikki Haley is the President, mm. like what? What I mean, and again, she's not going to be the president. She's not going to be the Republican nominee for president. And the fact that DeSantis is spending this much time on Nikki Talking Haley about her, it, it's a major problem for him because it should be everything should be focused on Trump and trying to separate himself from Trump. But the fact that he can't even separate himself from her, Trump is just—I mean, it's it's going to be Trump.
0: Well, that's because that's going to be his major opponent, I believe. You know, in the debate and, in 24 hours, and a, and a, and so that's why he's taking shots at her. A,
1: a big part of the problem is. Like there's if you think about it like this, there's a major structural foundation problem with the structural foundation of the house DeSantis is living in. Right. So like there's this major issue that is above all else, which is he can't get any traction against Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. in fact, he's gone backwards. So like you have this major, major issue and he's worried about there's a there's a drain over here that isn't, you know, draining properly in the, the sink in the bathroom. And so he's trying to fix the drain. Well, buddy. The drain may be important, like you need the water to flow in the bathroom, mm-hmm. but the structural problem of the house that's going to fall over is a much bigger issue. But you're spending all your time fighting about the drain, and she is the drain, and it's just n- none of them have any shot. I mean, it's, it's all Trump.
0: It's, uh, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and Hammer's going to join us next. Good morning, 1048 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer's in the studio. Hey, happy repeal day. 90th anniversary of the end of Prohibition.
3: Yes, and in a rare rare turn of events we're actually going to drink on the Hammer and Nigel show. today.
1: Who was that group of people that came in yesterday that I saw your photo with? The uh, the women brought you alcohol.
3: Oh, that was the amazing staff from uh, St. Elmo oh. working with HC Tavern on this very special festive Christmas promotion. Uh, they've got like a Whoville thing going oh, on at HC Tavern. How
1: exciting. And they were the spokespeople. Yeah, they were here. They brought you alcohol. You uh, appears to, went against your better judgment and drank it. And uh, you just look like you had a great old time.
3: My favorite part of that interview is they bring the drinks in. They're making them for us. They mm-hmm. give them to us, which is kind enough. And then Nigel <laughs> stares at them. You're leaving that bottle here, right? <laughs> like on the air. Yeah. Like very quiet, almost mm-hmm. menacing. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We will leave it here. My
1: favorite, <laughs> all-time favorite, uh ridiculous Hammer and Nigel alcohol story is when the one of the breweries came in and your former producer proceeded to tell them what a fan he was of their rival brewery.
3: Yes. Yes. The, uh, the big fella that used to work with us, the professional wrestler.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He uh, didn't quite understand how things work. Bless his heart, Kyle was also the guy that got company suite tickets for the Colts and Titans game. Mm-hmm. Now we told him, now he's a big Titans fan. Yeah, And we told him, hey, This is where the advertisers sit. This is where some of the Colts people sit. They pay a lot of money. Um, Their advertising is on this station. Do not go in there wearing your stupid Titans (laughs) gear and rub these people the wrong way. And don't be
1: your professional wrestling persona. Just be a normal person. Right.
3: Just go be a dude watching a football game in a Uh suite because it's an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he won the contest to go into the suite and wore all the Titans gear, the jersey, and I just tore him a new one. Not because I'm a Colts fan, but that moron is affiliated with our show. Yeah, Uh absolutely.
1: And
0: now he became ineligible to ever do that contest again. That's right.
1: I totally forgotten he did that. That may be worse, although that day when the brewery people were in there just throwing bottles of alcohol at you and he proceeds to tell them how another brewery is his favorite. Their competition. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like imagine if Coke comes in here mm-hmm. and they're showering you with gifts and you've got a I producer love it. I like Pepsi. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like when somebody comes up, hey, yeah, it's Hammer and Nigel from WIBC. Oh, I I don't listen to you guys. Cool, thanks. You know, like, (laughs) that's fine. They choose
3: not to listen. This moron went out of his way
1: to talk about the competition. So I'm a little envious of you. Uh, It has been a long time since there's been legitimate excitement about Indiana Pacers basketball. And I say that as, like, where there is this sort of diehard, we want to know what happens every game, the people are going to the game, I would say probably the some of those teams with Lance Stevenson kind of had that because it was LeBron and it was the Heat. Right. Uh, but maybe even before that you have to go all the way back to the Malice and the Palace team because man, I just it just seems like We've kind of entered a malaise from the fan base with the Pacers, especially the past decade. But I'll tell you what, last night, that game to go to Vegas, uh, you were there. That place was It was like the old days.
3: It was. That's exactly right. And I was talking with a lot of friends who have been going to games since, you know, Chuck Person was playing at Market Square Arena. And they all said that felt like old Market Square Arena Pacers and Knicks last night. That crowd had an edge to Mm -hmm. it last night. I mean, they're waving towels. They're singing Jack and Diane sing alongs. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like in the fourth quarter, I looked around and like everybody's standing up. Mm -hmm. And normally when the Celtics or the Lakers come to town, teams like that, it's a lot of bandwagon fans cheering for the other team. Yeah. That was a loud, rowdy Pacers crowd last night, man. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. It it was awesome to see that feeling of excitement Mm -hmm. back and. Tyrese Halliburton, the face of the franchise, yeah,
1: man. He's it, right? I mean, because you think about so much of those Pacer teams in the mid-90s were super lovable. And, you know, they had the wacky Davis brothers and Smiths, but they had a dude. Reggie was the dude. And when you have a dude, not just because he's good, but it's like you you feel like you're always, your team is always going to be competitive. When you go to the Pacer game, you know they have a dude in Tyrese Halliburton who is gonna keep you in that game and is actually fun to watch. And they had that with Paul George. Paul George was the dude in the mid, the, that middle part of the last decade. And then before that, you had guys like Ron, Art- Ron Artest on that Malice in the Palace team and Jermaine O'Neal. They haven't had a dude in a long time.
3: Right. And MVP chants were coming from the Pacer crowd to Tyrese Halliburton, who had a triple-double last night. Pacers took the lead on a four-point play that he had, fouled on a three, he hit it. I would say that Tyrese Halliburton is the best Indiana Pacer since Reggie Miller.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're off on that. Like I mean,
3: Jermaine O'Neal was really good, Paul George was really good, but if Halliburton played on the Lakers or the Celtics, he would be the front runner for the MVP award right yeah. now.
1: And they're fun to watch. The Pacers haven't been fun to watch in a long time, and you watch those games. They're fun. The games that I guess you could, I guess they've had some trouble getting some of the games to the fans via the various uh, mechanisms, but the games you can watch, that's fun.
3: And if they can get just a little defense, right? Because I think they're one of the top, if not the top scoring team in the NBA, if they can play just a little defense, um, they can make a run at this. They need a
1: goon. All those great Pacers teams had Goon. David West, and I say this as a positive, right? Like right. He was a, a bad man. Dale Davis. Dale Davis, Goon. bad. Yep. Man. Ron Artest, Goon. Your tough guy rebounder yeah. has
3: not came forward yet, yeah. but man, they're fun to watch, and they're going to Vegas for this thing. What's coming up? Uh, this afternoon, the final four of Biden madness mm-hmm. continues and the biggest stories of the day. Thanks,
0: Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIDC we